Well, what a passage. Um, it always amazes me when I read Paul's epistles. Uh, you find them very difficult as a new Christian because they're so packed with different ideas that keep flying at you. And as I've continued in my Christian life and read them more, I've come to the conclusion that Paul's just so excited about the gospel that so he's just got to keep packing it all in and uh, say, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And so it's quite hard, really, to, to pick out themes. And so I hope you'll bear with me a bit tonight as I'll just go through a few thoughts that as I read this passage and prayed about it and read around it, these were a few of the thoughts that came to me. So we're looking a bit at our Christian life, how we can pray for one another, how we can rely on God's power, and how we can share the love of Jesus. The start of the passage in chapter 1, Paul says, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So it's clear that he's talking about Christian people. If we go back a few verses, he's already acknowledged that the Ephesians have heard the message of the truth, and when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So here there are people who are believers and who've been blessed with the Spirit. But Paul goes on to pray that the Spirit that they would, God would give them the Spirit of wisdom so that they might know the hope to which they've been called. So I did wonder, why does he need to do that? I think in one way, that moment of belief is so important, isn't it? A moment of being saved because we've accepted the Lord Jesus. But if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you'll know it's very early on in the story that Christian finds his way in through the only way, through the narrow wicket gate, And he leaves his burden at the foot of the cross. But that's quite near the start of the story. And before he finally reaches the celestial city, which is where he's heading for, he has all sorts of trials and troubles to get through. He must climb up the hill of difficulty. He must wrestle with the giant despair. He can get past castle doubt. And I think Paul's letters elsewhere, don't they, describe it as a race. And I don't think that should be a surprise to us because for me, the Christian life is about a relationship. In a few weeks' time, Brian and I will celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And nearly 20 years ago, we stood probably about here and made vows to one another and we left with a piece of paper to say that we were married. But it isn't that moment that makes a marriage, is it? It's the time that comes afterwards, the years you spend together, loving each other, caring for each other, getting to know each other better. And the Christian life's like that as well. Yes, there's a moment when we're saved, but then there's a relationship to walk with God. In Bunyan's story, there's times when Christian feels overwhelmed by the trials he must face. But also along the way, he finds encouragement in his fellow travellers. At times, the shining ones from the celestial city come to help him and guide him. And when things are at their worst, he sees that God is with him. 
and so he's able to carry on on his journey and finally reach his destination. I think Paul knows that Christian people will have those ups and downs, those difficulties in life. There will be challenges along the way. And so Christians need prayer as well to keep their faith strong, to keep walking with God. He starts his prayer by saying thank you. I think that's very important. And I regularly do give thanks for the church family. But there are times as well that I need to be reminded to be thankful. And perhaps we all need to remember sometimes that prayer is not a shopping list. God's done so much for us. And we should thank him for the good things. And for the good things in our family and in our friends' lives as well as our own. And he goes on to pray for their spiritual well-being. Again, I think that's something we sometimes overlook. It's completely right, isn't it, to pray for the physical needs of those around us. And I know over the last few months I've so appreciated people's prayers. But if we believe in the grace of God and, and that the Lord Jesus brings eternal life, we would want to share that with others as well. And I sometimes think that in our own culture it's so important to pray for people actually when things are going well. Because sometimes those are the times when you can be a long way from God. From a position of being very comfortably off, it's more difficult to see your need of forgiveness and help. So there is a need to pray not only for non-believers to come to faith, but also for our brothers and Christians brothers and sisters in Christ so that their relationship with God will grow in the bad times and in the good times and that it will be deepened and sustained. Paul asks that they will know the hope and inheritance to which they've been called having that assurance that they're going to be with Jesus in heaven one day. And then he prays that they will know God's power the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that, I believe, is something that we can access now. Not long ago in house group, we came across a question in one of the studies we were doing, and it asked whether the kingdom of God was something to look forward to in the future or something that was already here. And when we talked about it, we came to the conclusion that really, it's both. There is a time in the future when everything will be made perfect in Christ and we will enjoy being in heaven with Jesus. But also, there's something that we can catch glimpses of of now through acts of kindness, through people's love for one another. In short, wherever God's will is done, we see a little of his kingdom now. And we should be tapping into God's power to help build that. We can see it, can't we, sometimes in answers to prayer. I was talking to Penny the other week and she used that lovely word, God incidences. And they do happen and we should celebrate those. But sometimes we can feel overwhelmed. We feel as though the world is just so big and we don't have the resources to make a difference. I then find that uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is a real encouragement. That boy was brave enough to 
come forward just with his bread and fish. When he offered them to Jesus, they were enough to feed 5,000 people. And so at those times when we're struggling, and we think, well, I'm not strong enough, if we can lean on God's power, he can make it so much more and give us the strength we need. We go back to our friend Christian. When he finally reaches the celestial city, he finds that his way is blocked by a river. So he and his friend, hopeful, ask how deep the river is. And they're told, well, that depends how deep your faith is. They start to wade across. But after a while, Christian thinks that he's going to drown. The water seems to be coming up over his head. And his friend calls back to him, call to mind that which you heretofore had received of him and live on him in your distress. So he starts to recall God's faithfulness to him. And then he's able to say, I see him again. And he talks to me and tells me, when you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And though the rivers, though through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And so he's able to get across the river and enter into the celestial city. Being a Christian doesn't make us immune from illness or stress, or poverty, or any other problems. But now, when we become a Christian, Jesus walks beside us, and he does give us the power to have the strength to get through those things. And then we come to chapter 3, where Paul says a very heartfelt prayer, that God would strengthen the Ephesian Christians, and that his spirit would dwell in them. He asks that they might grasp how deep is Jesus' love, albeit that it is the love that surpasses knowledge. That's central to our faith, isn't it? As we reflect on the love Christ has for us and the world, how can we do anything else but love our fellow men? I was reading around this passage, and that William Barclay points out the things that... Um, something about the Ephesian church and uh, it came up in our first reading Morris has already mentioned it but he says the summary characteristics of a true church are faith in Christ and love for others and he points out also that this letter regarding the church, is a, regarding the church community something again we picked up in a study we did in house group where John Stock said this, Ephesians is the gospel of the church. It sets forth God's eternal purpose to create through Jesus Christ a new society which stands out in bright relief against the sombre background of the old world. This is a message not only for us as individuals, but corporately as the church, to give thanks, to pray for one another to try and deepen our relationship with God, to trust in his power and to help build his kingdom here in Stafford. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for our church here. Thank you for all the encouragement and support that we give one another and help us to just do that even more, to love one another and pray for one another. And to be aware of you walking beside us 
Help us to tap into your power, to bless all the work that we do so that we may reach out with your love to the world. Amen.